as we begin this series of episodes on Romans 8, it's important that we begin back at um, verse 22 of chapter 7. So we start here. This is Romans 8, down here. And the reason it's important to start uh, with the preceding verses is because we read a therefore here, which means this is an inference from something that's gone before. And because we see this term law of sin, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin. And that occurs right here in chapter 7 and right here again in chapter 7. And so to know what it's referring to here, we're going to need to look at these verses. So let's pray. Father, as we begin this amazing chapter, grant us amazing light from your Holy Spirit. We need to have the eyes of our hearts opened to see these wonderful things. So we ask for your help again in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get the picture before us in this preceding set of verses. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind. And I'm going to suggest those refer to the same thing. Making me captive to the law of sin. I think this other law is the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks, here's his answer to that question. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, I myself serve the law of God. Here it is again. With my mind and with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So, law of God, law of my mind, law of God, other law, the law of sin, the law of sin. These two laws are warring against each other, waging waging war against each other in Paul. Now, notice where where they're taking their strongest effect. I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, my inner man. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. So this law of sin is having its effect by taking charge of and wielding the, the members. And these members here are referring to our arms and legs and eyes and tongue and uh, um, sexual organs. The law of sin takes its power and exerts it through our members. And so he's crying out that he's uh, being made the battlefield of the law of God, which he in himself, I myself, is serving, but in his flesh, which I think refers to these members here, 
I know that flesh in Paul ordinarily is bigger, and it probably is bigger here than body, but not smaller than body. I serve the law of sin. So there's this battle going on in Paul between these two forces, law of God, and this this force or this principle uh, or, or this uh, authority of of sin that is, or the law of sin that is rooting itself in his members and causing him to to do things he doesn't want to do. So, law of sin here is a reference to this power to cause us to sin by working in our in our members. Now, let's ask a couple of questions that relate to Romans 8. What is the therefore? What are we supposed to make of this therefore? Why? What in these preceding verses causes him to say therefore? Actually, this therefore probably goes back to the whole first eight chapters, first seven chapters, but uh, let's see what is here. And it surely is in thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in spite of this warfare that's going on between the law of sin and the law of God, a, a great victory has been wrought by God through Jesus Christ so that, so Paul really himself, this emphasis, I was really myself, serve the law of God. I delight, see that word up here, I delight in the law of God, in my inner being. This is a great work of God and therefore giving evidence that Paul is in Jesus Christ. He is not in the flesh. He is in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, there is therefore no condemnation because of this great victory that has been wrought. And we're going to see more specifically what that is in a moment. Here's one other question we need to ask. When this says that he uh, has been set free, the law of the spirit of life has set you free, set Paul free, us free, Christians free from the law of sin. How in the world does that relate then to uh, this service? He says, with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And now he says, the spirit of life has freed me from the law of sin. Freedom and service, slavery, seem to be the opposites. Indeed, they, they are opposites. Now, the solution to that is handled in two dramatically different ways. One group of scholars and interpreters say, well, th this experience in Romans 7 and this experience in Romans 8 cannot be the same person. This is the pre-regenerate Paul, or symbolically people of Israel trying to uh, measure up, but not really the real um, apostle in his present regenerate state. And this, this is that apostle. He walks in freedom from this kind of battle and this kind of service here. That's one solution. That's not my solution, and I give you the reasons why I'm, I'm not able, able to 
to track with that that solution. Number one, when I read chapter 7 in these words, for example, I see I and I and I, my very self, I in my inner being. That just sounds to me like Paul talking. So on the face of it, it looks like Paul is talking about himself. That's reason number one. Reason number two is this word delight here. I delight in the law of God in my inner being. You might say there's a kind of superficial delight in the law of God from unregenerate people. But Paul is stressing this delight is in his inner being. And when he gets here, he says, I myself serve the law of God. This is, this is a stress on his real self. So the second argument for why I think this is real Christian experience, the real Paul, not in contradiction with Romans 8, is that only a regenerate person can be described that way. And my third reason for thinking this is really Christian experience is because when you get to the, the uh, victory here, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, that's where the chapter should end. If the victory takes you beyond the warfare of law of sin and law of God. But amazingly, Paul says at the end of the chapter, not, oh good, now I'm above and beyond the warfare of these two laws. He says, so I myself serve the law of God with my mind. So my deep self my true self is serving the law of God. But in my flesh, I still fall prey to the power of sin and commit sins with my members and thus serve sin because he commits sin as a servant of sin. And that's what he's been describing. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I, I do, uh, what I what. I don't do what I ought to do. So, when you get to chapter 8 here and you ask, okay, what then is he talking about when he says, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin? And my answer is, it has decisively set you free. The, the decisive battle against this monster has been wrought in the cross. Uh, it has finally set you free. It is going to happen. Just like he says later in chapter 8, we have been glorified. And what he means is it's so certain that it's going to come, that you can talk of it as coming, just like this freedom. And it is progressively uh, setting us Free, So there is real meaning to this word, you are set free from the law of sin, decisively, finally, progressively, but, but not now fully. And that's why there is this ongoing battle with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. I think that's the way he talks back in chapter 6 when he says we, we have died to sin and yet he goes on to say now reckon yourself dead and don't hand your members over to uh, un unrighteousness. Uh, 
So, two observations. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, and that becomes all the more precious because this law of God that we serve in measure now will condemn us because this whole battle here is not good enough. You, you can't measure up to this law with this kind of, of, of embattled existence. And so condemnation is going to come. But therefore, because of this great victory here that Jesus has wrought, God has wrought through Jesus, something has happened. We're going to see what it is that there is no condemnation, even though we from the flesh serve the law of sin from time time. That's the first observation. And the last one is this law of sin and this freedom here is decisive and final and progressive, but not now full. Oh, so much more to see as we move forward in chapter 8.